Bumblebutt Podcast. Uh, extraterrestrial. <laughs> it could be. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've talked a lot about aliens recently. Not that I mind, but... Well, you should mind. Why? I don't know. I want them to sexually assault me. That's... Ooh. Is that inappropriate? Like yeah. the aliens? Yeah, the aliens. I'd be okay with that. If they extracted your semen and then impregnated themselves, Jordan, you'd be fine with that? Yeah. Even if you, I feel like they're far enough away where I wouldn't have to pay child support because <laughs> I don't think that carries over like intergalactically. Well, here's the real thing: like uh, most of the time, you hear aliens, they don't really have any sort of currency. So, mm. how would child support work? Mm. And then, if we really think about it, that they have all their children as like test tube babies, or like they're made in a lab. Mm. Like, who can be a parent? Who who can be a parent? I don't know. It's like it's not a parent who can be a parent. <laughs> that was a terrible pun. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I gotta get back in the swing of this thing. You just go. You didn't yell yell Eminem or what would you would you usually do? Listen to Eminem. Yeah. Got to blare Eminem. I know. I forgot. Instead, you're playing your card game. I forgot. Oh yeah, Teppin. Yeah, tell us about Teppin. Well, Capcom in creators of such. Amazing IP as Street Fighter and Mega Man released their own card game in the Hearthstone style, I guess. Mm. Uh, it's a little more like a MOBA plus a card game. So there's lanes. You got to block them. Mm. It's a lot about timing, okay. which is different from most card games I've ever played before. But it's pretty good. But it's, it's got a, everybody. It's addicting? Yeah. Hell yeah. Does it's it, quick. Does it have like the pay to win format, or yes. is it like okay? But you, I'm assuming you can earn the cards mm-hmm. naturally, yeah, right? That's what I'm doing. I haven't bought a pack yet. Mm. And you always play Chun Li. I'm Chun Li, yes, because Nergigante is cheap right mm. now. Okay, overpowered as hell. He has like a <laughs> spike attack that kills all your cards right away. Okay. Wait, does the character, like the hero, have a special power outside yep. of the cards? Yep. Okay. And what does she do with her, those wonderful thighs of hers? Well, I have her as yawn, so that way it fills up the MP, which is the cost of each card. Mm. So that way you get it faster and you can put out better monsters or spells or whatever. Okay. It's a good time. So all the cards are monsters, like creatures? Well, yeah, there's humans, like Chris Redfield's in there. Okay. I have a couple of him. Makoto from Street Fighter, Sasquatch from Vampire (laughs) Savior. Sasquatch? Yeah. Does he look like a Sasquatch? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's like a big white What's furry. the ga- What's the game you mentioned? Vampire Savior. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Darkstalkers here, oh, I think yeah, it's yeah, called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
here. Yeah. You live here. Well, I, you are an American man. Listen, <laughs> I've seen so many tournaments, and you only play the Japanese version because that's the okay. I gotcha. So it's a bit biased. <laughs> it's good though. Teppan's good. I. Uh, it's a good time for free too. Put down. What's the popular one? Castle Crashers? No. Yeah, I think so. Crash Royale. Crash Royale. Mm-hmm. Quit playing that and play Teppin. Teppin. Yeah, fire that out. Yeah, man. That's about it. Hell yeah. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bubble Butt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly, except for last week. <laughs> Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me is Chicago Boy One Jordan. Howdy. How are you? I'm good, bud. How are you? I don't know. Decent. Does it, does it feel good to be resurrected from the dead? Yeah. Yes. It feels good to rise up. What is the afterlife like? Like, uh, was it black? Was it like... I'm not allowed to say anything okay. one way or the other. You vowed to silence with JC? I had to. <laughs> or whoever it was I communed with. Okay. I'm not allowed to say that either. Uh, Jordan, you said you were good? Yes, sir. Sitting across me also is Chicago Boy number two, mm. Cody. Am I number two just because I had a ride in the back seat? Yes. Okay. All yes. right. I'll accept that. You can't be number one if you're in the back. <laughs> uh, I'm great. Uh, I'm sure you know how horrible this week's been with the humidity. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're sweaty <laughs> Sticky. boys. Even Max. History of yeah, never sweating. I don't even think he has sweat glands. Yeah. And somehow he was like he. I figure he had like the same same genetics as like a pig and mm-hmm. he can't sweat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, somehow he was sweating too. How about you, Jordan? Were you sweating too? I was sweating like a fucking stuck pig. Wait, didn't Gross. you say you were you have AC in whatever rich person's house you're in? Yeah, but we were working on finishing the outside. Mm. You should have saved that for not. <laughs> not yesterday. That, that is uh, not what the boss wanted us to do. Awful. What an asshole. Does he give you free water or like yeah. Gatorade or? Yeah, he'll roll up with like a cooler full of stuff. Nice. Well, it's something like at your job, you drink alcoholic beverages on the job. Occasionally we'll have a beer on lunch, <laughs> but. I feel like that dehydrates you more. Well, yeah. It's not all the time. And it's not. They're not slamming them, I don't think. Yeah, it's mm. like we'll have one. What's the ideal temperature for, like, curing bricks or whatever you're doing? Like, putting them on, like, is oh, it better for, cold like, or hot? for, curing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the warmer, the better. Okay. So the humidity doesn't affect it at all? The humidity does. Okay. All right. Does it make it all watery? Uh, no, it just makes it, like, dry up slower. Mm. So, like, the stone or brick or block or whatever we're putting in will... Like, be holding in the humidity from the air a little mm-hmm. bit so it won't absorb the moisture from the mortar. It's just like detailing. Wiping down those oh, cars. Yeah. That uh, fucking wax just yeah. doesn't come off. Well, in, in my office, the uh, the air compressor, you know, mm-hmm. it when it's humid, it just, like, sucks water off. So mm-hmm. that all that comes through the air lines is fucking, like, a fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to keep, like, empty, emptying the lines over and over. And, of course... The system that's designed specifically to extract the water out of the lines is broken. Yeah. So you have to, like, pinch the lines. Otherwise, it just leaks constantly. So it's just, it's a nightmare. (laughs) It's just a nightmare all around. I'm ready for it all to burn, baby. (laughs) Well, we shouldn't complain too much. I'm pretty sure in, like, two weeks it'll be gone, maybe. 
I don't know. What do you think? The Soviet or the <laughs> yeah, the Soviet assault <laughs> on Minnesota. Yeah, it'll all be gone. If you were Red Dawn in Minnesota, what would you have to name your little your crew, your little militia? Mm, the Gophers, maybe. I don't know. They're not very like ferocious, imposing. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah, but with know. enough of them, they can be overwhelming. Mm. I guess the Vikings. Okay. That would be fine. <laughs> right. I guess. <laughs> The gophers, like, you don't shoot anybody. You just dig a whole bunch of holes in front of their base and <laughs> yeah. piss them off. That's your whole goal. They just get frustrated ankles. and leave. <laughs> they, they'll put those little sensors that emit noise to get you away from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you fucking gophers are tearing up my lawn again. Eventually, they're just going to go Caddyshack and drop a bunch of C4 down in your holes. That's the way to go. Well, if we, from Caddyshack, he's immune to uh, explosions and, and water and everything, so you can't kill a gopher that easy. That's true. He's immune. And speaking of uh, <laughs> creatures with strange paranormal <laughs> powers, uh, maybe we could throw it over to Cody's Yeah, should hands. we dive in here? Yeah, man, let's go. Well, um, let me just start off then. Uh, this week, we will revisit one of our most popular subjects we called... Sexual Encounters with Extraterrestrials. Oh. Definitely in the top ten of all time. Sadly, Quit Y'all does not make a return. I'm sorry. Just throwing that out there. there. Rest in peace, big homie. I think he's technically dead anyway, if we want to believe whatever his wife or girl's name was. What was his girl's name? It wasn't Karen, was it? No, it was probably like Cindy Lou. (laughs) Probably Cindy Lou. She worked at a Texas diner, so maybe it was Cindy Cindy. Lou. (laughs) There were definitely two first names involved there. Mm-hmm. But Carol Ann. Carol Ann? Was Could there? Could be Carol Ann. I don't know. Anyway. But either way, these stories are still very good. Um, they're a little different, though. They're not quite as romanticized as before. Uh, like, we focus more on, like, love. the alien and woman or man being in love or just a one-night stand. The connection. Right. They will certainly make you wonder why exactly do aliens seem to have so much interest in human, in the sexual anatomy of human beings, and even the relationships humans have with their chosen partners. Mm. Would aliens really attempt to mess with human beings so much that they would attempt to play their very own matchmaking game for unknown reasons? Have you guys ever heard of that before? They're playing like a dating game? Were they like... Like, say you, right? Yeah. They're programming you so you run into whoever. So they want you to be a couple. Okay. So they're, like, forcing your hand psychically. Well, Hmm. all right. That's just another, like, God theory (laughs) then, right? But it's the aliens doing it to you. Okay. That's fine. I'll roll with it for now. So, like, maybe Jordan has psychic visions of Amy prior to meeting her. Of Amy Boo MN? Yeah. And, like, the aliens wanted them to come together. Yeah. Well, Do you I, think so, Jordan? I mean, I could see it as a possibility. You could? If you don't think it's your uh, charming, <laughs> winning persona? I didn't know I had one of those. Jordan, you definitely have one of those. Yeah. You're like a little puppy. They want to pet you. And fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so... Perhaps we should start off our story with a little appetizer, a little foreplay to get everybody into the mood. Yes. The following story was titled, 
the Wisconsin co-ed. It's Jordan. <laughs> that's, that's obviously what I thought of. <laughs> and it begins in the spring of 1970 in, you guessed it. Ohio. Oh, Wisconsin. Oh, shit. Close. You were almost God there. damn it. <laughs> While parked at a local lover's lane, the co-ed and her boyfriend were doing what most people do at lover's lane. Necking. <laughs> Discussing the Packers season. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Coach Mike. Was Lombardi still coaching him back then, Jordan, in the 70s? Uh, yeah, probably. Was probably Bart Starr still playing. Hey, definitely. Rest in peace, brother. R.I.P. So, the couple soon began to notice an object hovering not far off off of the ground in the distance. The co-ed soon became afraid like any normal person would and demanded that her boyfriend return her to her dormitory. By the time they had reached her dorm, her nerves seemed to settle a little bit, even though the couple didn't discuss what they had witnessed the entire ride home, (laughs) which is weird. They then kissed goodnight, and the co-ed made her way into the dormitory building. About an hour later, she headed to bed and fell asleep with thoughts of UFOs behind her. She then began to feel something that irritates everybody, having the covers of the bed being pulled off her while she was attempting to sleep. Then... Something began tugging at her leg. She opened her eyes, and she was shocked at what she was looking at. It was a tall, hairy, man-like creature leering at her. Once it took notice that she was looking at him, he lustfully grinned at her and began pulling her slowly across the bed. Okay, tall and hairy. Why are you describing me? (laughs) Is this you? And Wisconsin. (laughs) Do you know this uh, Creepin' Real just did that Succubus episode? Do you think this was a Succubus? I mean, it just sounds... Sounds familiar. Sounds like sleep paralysis. In or in my book, like they have a little picture, and it literally looks like a Sasquatch. Awesome. Like falling. Her awesome. There. <laughs> She's. <laughs> she said this later about what happened next. I was paralyzed. I couldn't move, <laughs> and I couldn't scream. There was no mistaking what plans the grotesque male creature had in mind for me. Then I thought very intensely. God, please save me. <laughs> At just that moment, there was a very brilliant flash of light on the ceiling, and the horrible creature disappeared. I wore a cross for a long mm. time after that. Jesus comes to save the day once Ooh. again. I wish the hairy man creature would just been like, there is no God. Yes. <laughs> yes. What if he just wanted to cuddle with her? Your God doesn't love you. Would you be terrified if a hairy man was, like, pulling you across the bed when you're sleeping? No, no. Cody, I'll come over tonight and yeah, do it. shirtless and I don't do know, it to you. I don't know if you're quite hairy enough. Like, you'd have to you'd have to be full Polish or something, like a Greek Ooh, man. Yay. Like, maybe this is a Greek delivery man. Mediterranean, definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but Greek people don't get that big. One face, one race. <laughs> Remember that. I don't know what that means, but it sounds offensive. It's not, though. It's, <laughs> okay. it's that Greeks and Italians are both Mediterranean. Mm. One face, one race. They mm. shouldn't hate each other. As long as they both like Katamala olives, I'll, I'll agree with that. All right. And what are those? <laughs> Like the purple ones, are they? That you get in the stuff? Uh, yeah, they usually have a pit. If you get a Greek salad, they're usually in the Greek salad. Oh, I hate those. They're very strong. Too strong. And they're very strong. Mm. A similar thing happened to a woman in San Diego. The night in question, she had witnessed what she believed was a UFO. Thinking nothing of it, she went home. <laughs> she went home and off to bed as she usually would have. Mm. When she turned the lamp off in her bedroom. She began hearing a strange buzzing sound around her head. <laughs> Something 
that is somewhat common in alien encounters mythos as if they are trying to communicate with you telepathically. Oh, like a little radio going off or mm-hmm. something? Either way, she said this later about the event. It moved about in circles, and I can only describe it as a bee buzzing. <laughs> then it seemed as though I had a man's voice. It kept buzzing over and over. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Whenever I turned the light on, it would go away. The second I snapped the lamp off, it would be back buzzing around my head. A few nights later, I had the sensation of someone getting into bed with me. I heard the sound of heavy breathing beside me. It was as though whatever was there was actually lying next to me. It smelled like rotten seaweed. I was so frightened that I couldn't move. The next day, the bed was wet and slimy on that side. (laughs) Fish man. This is really what it's like having sex with a mermaid, I think. <laughs> it's like, is it possible she just had a wet dream, maybe? I don't. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> snail trailing across the goddamn bed. Gail, the snail was in her bed. Yucca pucka. I love it. It's always sunny. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to move on to a Sharon K. Sharon K. story. Now, Sharon's story seems to lean on the fact that she could have perhaps been in the alien's plans since she was born. Her mother claims that when she was born in early October 1957, the night she was brought home from the hospital, Sharon had a visitor. Her mother claimed to see a man hovering over the crib Sharon was in. That's just her dad. (laughs) She said he was wearing a sort of light blue garb and gave off a glow that reminded Sharon's mother of an angel. Mm. She claimed while it was quite weird for a man to be there, he was very handsome and gave off a (laughs) a benevolent vibe. I'm sorry. If you have a newborn, (laughs) nobody should be in there. No. Nobody should be in there. Not even if he's tall, glowing, and handsome. (laughs) Sharon's mother would always just assume this was Sharon's guardian angel. God. Yeah, okay. Sharon's father also had his own experiences with the aliens. He claimed that about a week before Sharon was born, he had witnessed an alien craft land in his backyard and watched what he called was, quote, little men come out of it. <laughs> Listen, back in those times, it was probably just like a Toyota. <laughs> probably. <laughs> like, That's a goddamn alien craft there. Probably, Why are they all five four and dressed like they're from Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> he was probably so in. fucking plastered, he just thought he was seeing <laughs> shit back there. Yes. So he watched them move back and forth in and out of the craft for 45 minutes. They were taking soil samples and collecting leaves that had fallen from the trees, almost as if they were making sure the home was suitable for Sharon's arrival. Dude, spraying for ticks? Mm-hmm. Ticks are the silent killer in this country, man. Lyme disease is on the goddamn up. I had one of them on me like two weeks ago. I'm telling you. Do you I, got Lyme's disease? No, I got it before it could latch on to me. Good. Mm-hmm. That a boy. At the age of six, Sharon and her younger sister Melody, who is about four, lame name, <laughs> claimed to have been abducted while staying at their aunt and uncle's home. In the middle of the night, Sharon was awoken by a glowing horse head outside of the window, <laughs> and it was speaking to her telepathically. 
I need hay. <laughs> when you, when you <laughs> so okay. cute. I'm guessing these kids probably watched Mr. Ed or whatever before they went mm. to bed, and now mm. they see a fucking horse head. <laughs> right. Why would the aliens be putting a horse head outside of their window? Know. Because like, every little girl wants a pony. Okay. Oh. Yes. Good point. Oh, this will make them love us <laughs> if we put a glowing a cre- horse head. A creepy <laughs> horse outside your window is talking to your brain here. <laughs> Melody was already heading towards the window, and Sharon decided to follow. Brave. The next thing they remember was heading towards a brightly lit object that they later said reminded them of Christmas. The rest of their memories are blank from this point on. The next thing Sharon knows, she woke up in her sister's clothes, which were clearly way too small for her to be wearing. Pranksters, those aliens are. Apparently, like, you know, it'd be funny. <laughs> Switch clothes, Switch their clothes, man. Just get them. <laughs> Apparently, they just don't know girls' clothing sizes. I don't know, or they're just fucking with them. I, I don't mean, know. they're not stupid. They knew what they were doing. They were like, "We took the small clothes off the small one and the big one off the big one, but we're gonna fuck them up right now." <laughs> Sharon was abducted once again at the age of seven. This time, she remembers more vividly her experiences within the craft. The aliens would be described as your typical greys that everyone knows. Sharon remembers being on the examination table, and the aliens forced a sponge-like object down her throat that caused her to vomit, which the aliens quickly collected and proceeded to examine the vomit, (laughs) which is gross. Sharon claims she was so terrified on the examination table, it caused her to wet herself. Which the, the pair with the wish the aliens quickly <laughs> collected and made a sample. No, no. Apparently, they, this freaked out the aliens, and they didn't know what to do. Oh. And they were all in a panic. <laughs> oh. But they called him back up, and one of them came and cleaned it all up. Apparently, they don't. They don't pee, maybe? Oh. So maybe they don't... Under, I mean, I assume they understand that humans pee. I don't know. But they have... Uh, the quilted quicker picker upper up there. <laughs> yeah. The fucking bounty guy just yeah. comes up. <laughs> one towel and he shows Sherry. He's like, see, one towel. <laughs> yeah. We love your commercials. They tell us all. <laughs> Next, they inserted a long metallic object oh. up her nose, oh. and she recalled hearing a crunching sound, which, if you remember, was the same thing that happened to Betty and Dreesen. I don't remember, but don't I'm remember glad. That? I am glad that you reminded me. <laughs> mm-hmm. They also probed her ears and bathed her in rays of light, <coughs> also similar to Betty and Dreesen. Later in life, both Sharon and Melody would have small metallic BBs fall out of their nose for no apparent reason. Okay. Me- that's what they say. Well, that's what we call Oklahoma cocaine. <laughs> Where you snore fucking little BB. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't get high off of that. It would just be a BB. Listen, they're not the brightest in that state. Okay. It's All that right. panhandle cocaine. <laughs> Melody also had a perfectly straight scar about a half inch in length on her right leg like they had performed some type of surgery on her. Both girls would need to have hysterectomies at a young age. Oh, Apparently, both of their ovaries had swollen up to the point of almost rupturing. Ew. Sharon claimed that the doctors who performed the hysterectomies had no explanation why their ovaries had swelled up so much. We just gotta yank these out. We don't know why, but they're coming out. It's like... 
you think aliens would be smart enough to know, like, if someone's ovaries are going to explode, like, or whatever they did hey, to they them? Hey, they had a problem when she pissed. Yeah. So it's like... Okay, maybe they're still working out the kinks yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know about all the fluids we make yet. <laughs> the following events took place in May of 1996. Sharon was sleeping with her husband when she was awoken by a mysterious bumping sound. She was shocked to see a mysterious extraterrestrial she later described as a small... Okay, uh, do you remember, was it two weeks ago I said the word that I wasn't... I didn't know if we should ever say on yeah. here that she described this as? Listen, I'm looking at it on the paper right now. I, go- I googled it to yeah. see how bad it was, <laughs> yeah. and it's very bad. So I think maybe we should skip over that. What do you think? Negroid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, yes, that is this lady's words. That's not our words. A small Negroid, she says. Well, a small black man, basically. About three and a half foot to four foot tall. Why would she describe it as that? I don't know. And in 1996? That's so racist. It's very racist. Anyway, he was wearing a full astronaut's outfit with a helmet, dark blue gloves, and boots. She could see his face through the visor and claimed he looked very human-like. He was holding a round black device that she claimed looked like an old-style radar gun you would see police officers use. Sharon claimed he was pointing the device at the window, almost as if signaling to something. Then all of a sudden, a bright white glowing light surrounded him, and within a few minutes, he disappeared. A few minutes later, she noticed a super bright white light shine through the window, and then it went dark again. Almost as if the cat, the craft sped up or whatever, charged up and took off. So like it was almost like he summoned the craft. Yes, like he like did that. Beep, the craft beep. came up. He went in there and then got the hell out of okay. there. Apparently. He just hit the remote start. Ah, uh, yes, the Tesla. Come <laughs> You'd to think me. their aliens would have a remote start? I don't know. I, I think so. <laughs> the peculiar thing was over the following days, she began to feel a weird pain on the top of her head. Upon feeling the top of her head. She felt a small lentil. She felt a small lentil-like object just below the surface, like a bean, like a tiny little bean. I see. It was located right where the plates of the skull join, and directly above the part of the cerebrum responsible for thought and consciousness. Huh. Over the next few weeks and months, the object seemed to bury itself deeper into her skull. Did she go to a doctor? You're going to know she does not go to the doctor when okay. you should definitely go to the fucking doctor. No, there's a little... weird thing in my head. Maybe I should get it removed. Yeah. A no, little yeah. beam no. is Fuck making it. a high-pitched noise. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sharon recalled that it began to emit a very high-pitched frequency that caused her a lot of pain. Now, this is where the part of the story when all the alien tampering might start to make a little sense. Shortly after the implant had seemed to bury itself somewhere in her body... Sharon was giving a lecture about all of her alien experiences, which already sounds bad if you're bragging about your alien shit, when she took notice of a man in the audience. They can reach you at any time. Maybe don't, like, talk about it. Apparently. Well, this is probably why she's not going to the doctor, so she can, like, that's her job now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, she seemed to recognize this man of which she had never met before. Sharon remembers seeing what she called, quote, psychic visions all throughout her life oddly enough this man felt the same way 
He had always had his own psychic visions about the beautiful blonde woman he was witnessing in front of him right now. While they wouldn't interact just yet, they both felt like they immediately fell into love with each other. Love at first sight. Apparently, well, see, this is where I'm saying the aliens are forcing them together. Fake love at first sight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Their paths continued to cross, and eventually... They began to see see each other romantically, Mm. even though Sharon was still married to her current husband. Naughty, naughty girl. Naughty. (laughs) Now, we refer to this newfound lover as Nicholas, which is not his real name. He doesn't want to give his real name, apparently. Okay, that's fine. Now, Nicholas had his own UFO experiences prior to meeting Sharon. He recalled being chased by a UFO while driving down the highway. Are we getting Nicholas's story as We're well? We're getting Nicholas's story. We're going to see right. how, how they have pushed him into the picture, too. This is a two-for-one. Mm-hmm. He could see bright lights in his rearview mirror following his truck. In fact, something caused his radar detector to burn up from electromagnetic effects. Of course he has a radar detector. <laughs> <laughs> It appears the aliens had forced his truck to shut down and was promptly abducted, but Nicholas has no memory of this. Now, Nicholas had actually been having his own UFO UFO experiences beginning at the age of 10. He first saw a UFO after a huge train wreck in Louisiana. Nicholas was also in the Vietnam War and would witness strange flying objects, especially in high combat zones. Mm. Do you think they'd just be, like, checking it out and, like, watching it? Hey, you know what I think? What? Maybe a little Agent Orange poisoning. Mm, Possibly. Right. A little bit. You think that's causing them to see little ships flying in the air? And maybe, you know, we were also bombing Vietnam pretty heavily, Mm. if Ken Burns is to be believed, (laughs) which I, I think he is. I trust him. Do you, but I'm saying, if you if a, we think aliens exist, do you think they'd watch humans fight each other? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I suppose. What a fucking HBO miniseries that is. <laughs> for, you, for aliens. <laughs> Look at these idiots blowing each other up. <laughs> Over the next several years of his life, he would constantly notice strange flying objects in the sky. Nicholas liked to work on scientific experiments. One night in particular... He and a friend were sitting in the backyard playing with one of his newest scientific experiments, which was a large laser. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking nerds. Uh, uh, uh. All of a sudden, a UFO appeared directly over his house and just hovered there. So Nicholas decided to point his laser at the UFO which he claimed caused the object to start malfunctioning. Oh, he <laughs> shot a fucking laser at it. <laughs> he's like uh, he's like the guy from Independence Day. He's so yes. fucking badass. Yes. Now that the UFO was experiencing technical difficulties, it attempted to leave. And when it was taking off, it was wobbling all over the place. Wah, 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 wah. Nicholas thought it was going to hit his neighbor's house, but seemed to regain its functions and took off. You know, okay, I think I would hold on to that thing. If, like, he can f- fight off an alien craft with a the laser, laser he made? Yeah. 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 Or sell it to the government, for sure. No, no. Don't tell them anything. <laughs> don't... Never tell the government anything. Okay, so the They're going to learn about then. it from the aliens once they <laughs> yeah. get back to Area 51. <laughs> Just stay away from the government. If so, you know anything, don't tell them don't anything. Don't tell them anything? No. They'll put you in a goddamn lab and poke you with needles until you die. Mm. Or they'll take your idea and then you'll wind up... Dead from a suicide. Is that what with happened two with gunshots? Is that what happened with Flex Seal, Jordan? Flex Seal? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Billy Mays was killed for Flex Seal was too good. That's right. 
Now that Sharon and Nicholas had been brought together, both of them firmly believed that the aliens had set all of this into motion over a long, long period of time. Mm -hmm. The aliens had been sending subliminal psychic message of each other throughout their lives and even seemed to make sure that they would meet each other at random points at random times, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Either way, the two would soon be married and begin living together, which seemed to cause even more anomalies to occur within their domicile. After two weeks of living together, Nicholas began to take notice of a weird scratching he would get on his penis after having <laughs> sex with Sharon. Sounds like an STD. <laughs> she sounds unfaithful. So naturally, either Sharon has claws in her vagina, or those aliens were up to no good oh, again. Oh, they put a fucking dimmy up there. Huh? <laughs> Nicholas then close, closely examined Shannon. <laughs> I can't even say his fucking name. Nicholas then closely examined Shannon, Sharon's vagina. Go to a doctor, Sharon, and noticed a small triangular object implant, implanted just inside the opening of her vagina, but it was too deeply lodged to remove. Right. You can't I, get that, uh... <laughs> what is that, Sharon? God damn it. It's too slippery. I can't get the goddamn thing out of here. Quit getting turned on. I can't get my hands around it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Like you said, why didn't she go to the doctor? Especially if there's a fucking thing in your vagina. She's had a bean in her head that's yes. making noises and, and a fucking toothy claw in her... <laughs> go to the fucking doctor, dude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so after they started tampering with it, the vaginal implant started acting even weirder. Once while in the middle of <laughs> once while in the middle of sex, both of their faces began to glow with a blue white light that also projected onto the ceiling. That means orcs are around in Lord <laughs> of the Rings with uh, Frodo's maybe, sword stick. Maybe that's why they're doing it. So yeah. the aliens are saying there might be an orc party coming to your house right now. <laughs> Shit, man. <laughs> Another night. While in the middle of sex, they noticed 12 light blue dots on the ceiling. The dots began to grow larger and larger in diameter until each of them were roughly 8 inches in diameter. Then, within each dot, an oblong face began to take no. the form of the gray aliens. No. Each image was monochromatic and composed entirely of various shades of blue. Naturally... Sharon began to freak out, and Nicholas was attempting to call her, calm her down. She was yelling, They're staring at us! They know! They knew we were having sex! <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't just, like, throw a pillow over her vagina to stop the projection. Yeah. Shut <laughs> this movie down. I think the aliens are voyeurs. Oh, yeah. They love to watch Certainly. her fuck. <laughs> I hope like, yeah, get her, Nicholas. <laughs> I hope they're in their little closets on their spaceship. <laughs> they're just jerking off yeah. and just sticking in her butt. <laughs> <sighs> Another night, after Sharon and Nicholas had been fucking several times in one night, wow. her vaginal implant, implant began to burn and make a clicking <laughs> motion inside of her. Oh, God. It's the predator. <laughs> what if that's the noise it did make that? Oh, no. I can't even replicate it. Can you do it, Jordan? Uh, I can't. I can't either. I, I tried it, like, a few times. Like, Cody, find a, find a predator noise I'll and put, put it, it in. right in there. Right. <laughs> Once again, it freaked out Sharon, but Nicholas was able to calm her down because he probably just wanted to finish. Yeah, he's like, I got, I got places <laughs> well, It was an old boy's trying to get his nut. <laughs> I need to go to sleep. <laughs> One final incident that Sharon and Nicholas recalled was Sharon was simply laying in bed watching TV. 
when she kept feeling something touching the top of her head. Initially, she believed this was just a pesky, pesky insect and swatted it away. Then, it's the lentil trying to escape. <laughs> exactly. It's a Mexican jumping bean in there. <laughs> <laughs> then, she felt like something was moving her hair and touching her scalp. Sharon leapt up out of bed and told Nicholas, Something was touching me on the top of my head. <laughs> Then they both looked and noticed a white blob on the ceiling that zoomed into the bathroom. Oh! When they entered the bathroom, it had already vanished. It was all of his stored up semen from <laughs> a giant load up there. And it came to life and took off. Sharon and Nicholas continued to believe that they were prearranged to be together. Sharon stated that It was as though someone searched my innermost mind to see what type of man I would be drawn to <laughs> and that I would be happiest with. He is every kind of man I ever fantasized mm. about or dreamed of. I couldn't love him more, and I couldn't help but love him. Mm. Nicholas stated this about Sharon. She is the perfect female for me. <laughs> when I saw her, I knew she was love. I fell for her instantly and made up my mind from the first moment that one way or the other, she would be my wife. I was as though my long search for the woman of my dreams was over. I knew she would love me too. Mm, that or I'd is cut romantic. Her fucking head off. <laughs> because of that goddamn lentil. <laughs> She's the only woman who would peg the shit out of me. Oh, Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, our next boy is Claude. See his name one more time, Jordan. Vorilon. Vorilon. On December 13th, 1973, a young Frenchman named Claude Vorahan felt the need for an adventure. So he traveled to a volcanic overlook in, in Clermont-Ferrand in France. He parked his car near the crater and decided to walk to the center of the crater named Puy de Las Alas. <laughs> Sorry, French people. So, uh, I'm not. It was a fairly popular spot to visit in France due to the fact that it was an inactive volcano, which is awesome. Yes, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Once Claude reached the top of the volcano, he was enjoying the view when he took notice of red flashing lights within the fog at the top. At first, he just assumed it was merely a helicopter, but upon looking closer, it was a flying saucer hovering about 20 meters above him. Whoa. It was about 7 meters in diameter, 1.5 meters in height, flat underneath, and conical on the top. Uh -huh. The lights at the bottom of the ship were so bright, you could barely look at it without blinking or wincing your eyes. Ow! I don't know. <laughs> you scream when there's a bright light? Yeah. <laughs> I scream when anything surprises me at all. Oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> what if it was a giant spider flying in the sky? Uh, I'd that kill, kill myself. <laughs> You'd jump right into that inactive <laughs> volcano. Yeah, I'm jumping. <laughs> Cleanse me rocks. The UFO slowly descended to the ground without making a single noise. Claude was terrified but excited at the same time because he was witnessing a UFO and wished he had brought his camera with him. Once the craft landed, the trapdoor beneath the ship began open and a stairs of sorts emerged. Rad. Then, the being from within the ship began to come down the stairs. Claude at first believed, because of the stature of the being coming down, it was a child. A little baby? But once the alien was fully in his view, he discovered... It was a full-grown adult alien, measuring about 1.2 meters in height. Oh. He had long black hair and a closely cropped black beard. He had dark eyes that were almost almond-shaped. Oh, like you. <laughs> 
He wore a green, tight-fitting one-piece suit. That's sexy. Yeah, that's hot. The alien's skin was mostly white with a hint of green tint, and Claude claimed he had an aura of sorts glowing around his head. With the tint of his skin, Claude thought perhaps... This being has some sort of liver trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Awfully presumptuous of you, asshole. Got cirrhosis. <laughs> Either way, the alien simply smiled and began to speak with Claude. The alien explained to Claude that he knew every language on Earth, Whoa. so he was fluent in French. Whoa. <laughs> Is that a real? Is that a, are any of these real words? Well, that yeah. was Dexter's lab, and then he said, "What did you say? Water, something like that." I said, "Un de trois." Like, un de, is that one, two, three? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> French class with bumblebutts. Here yeah. we go. He knew everything about Claude and had purposely sent telepathic messages to him in order to lure him out to this isolated spot in France to speak with him. What a beast! Claude and the alien then made their way inside the ship. Call later said that the inside of the ship was a mild temperature, had a slightly metallic blue floor, had no source of light, but was bright inside, and showed no sign of an instrument panel similar to that of an airplane. Hmm. Claude then sat in a large chair, and the alien sat in his small chair that raised up so they could be on equal footing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The alien then said... You will tell the humans about the truth of what they are. In the part what we are, judging by their actions, we will be able to ascertain where or not we can show ourselves freely and officially. Wait until you know everything before you start speaking. In this way, you can defend yourself properly against those who will not believe you. You must bring them incontestable proof. You will write down everything I tell you, and you will publish the writings in book form. You will have a national bestseller. <laughs> Is he like times. twiddling his fucking mustache while yeah. he's saying this? What an asshole. He's got a top hat and a cane on. Hey man, trying to do alien mixed with French. It's, it's tough. perfect. I love it. Claude replied, but, 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 but why do you choose me? Democracy was born in France and found us the reputations of all over for being the country of freedom. Because you were born of a Jewish father and a Catholic mother, we believe you to be a very important link between two very significant peoples in the history of the world. (laughs) The alien continues (sighs) by saying that because Claude was born in 1946... After the first atomic explosion, he was the perfect choice for the mission. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people that could have uh, done like, that. I no, feel like this asshole Claude, wants to be a snowflake. Claude and Claude only, goddammit. I'm the half-Jewish, <laughs> half-Catholic boy. <laughs> Humans were beginning to master the atom, and the time was right for the aliens to reveal themselves to humans. Where do you come from? From a far distant planet of which I will tell you nothing for fear that the men of Earth will be unwise and disturb our tranquility. (laughs) But the aliens also said with man's current technology, there was no way for them to reach their planet anyway. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) We are men like you and we live on a planet similar to Earth. Why do you come to Earth? To observe human evolution and to watch over humanity. They are the future. We are the past. Wow. <laughs> Your planet is heavily populated. <laughs> Our planet is more heavily populated than your own. 
I would like to go to your planet. <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> no, you could not live there. The atmosphere is different from yours. Besides, you have not been trained to undergo such an arduous journey. But why did you have to meet us here? Because the crater is lo- isolated from civilization. You will come back tomorrow, bring your Bible, and be prepared to take notes. Do not bring any metallic object and speak to no one of our meeting. Otherwise, we will never meet again. Ooh. Jeepers. <laughs> so Claude exited the craft, and the UFO took off. The following day, he returned to the exact same spot, with a Bible and notebook in hand. The UFO showed up on schedule, and Claude entered to continue their conversation. The alien started by telling Claude, Good luck, Jordan. Long ago, on a distant planet, men reached a very advanced state of technical and scientific knowledge. They began to experiment by creating new life forms. This frightened the authorities of our home planet, who ordered that they stop. They continued to set out in search of a distant planet where they could continue their scientific (laughs) research and experimentation. Eventually, they came across a planet where all the conditions were right for life. That planet was Earth. Take your Bible. In it, you will find traces of the truth, which has been distorted by transcribers who did not understand the highly technical information conveyed. And therefore, they attributed it to a mystical and supernatural force. (laughs) Only the parts of the Bible that I translate are important. The rest is only poetical babbling. Mm. Let what us an be- edgelord. <laughs> <laughs> Let us begin with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim means those who came down from the sky, and it is plural in meaning. This means that the scientists from our world arrived on yours and recreated it. Oh, they built it. They built it up. They terraformed. I love it. (laughs) And so, the alien continued to explain how the human race was created by these alien scientists. They were surprised how their creations were so much like themselves. Intelligent, emotional, and subject to the same weaknesses and faults. Soon, the aliens began to interbreed with humankind and would create hybrid humans. Right. <laughs> when the leaders from their home planet found out what they had been doing on Earth, they determined humans were an abomination and needed to be destroyed. Mm. Can't disagree, right? No, or is that I'm edgy? Do- <laughs> I'm all there. about it. <laughs> so, they caused a great flood from the Bible by launching nuclear missiles from their home planet. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Of course, the creators of humans created a hovering space arc to save all of their creations. Aww. All right, so there's Noah for you. Oh, the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say Harrison Ford was the alien continued telling Claude he was to create a religious political movement called the Madik. This movement would prepare humanity for the welcoming of the Elohim. Elohim. I think it's Elohim. Elohim. Elohim, creators of humanity. In 1975, they decided to change the name of the movement to 
the Raelian Movement, Ooh. and is now a worldwide organization. Ooh. Have you guys heard of this before? No, but this I'm is, interested. This is like a real religion right now. I mean, I've been looking for a cult to join lately. Yeah, so. Get in there, boy. So it started in 1975? <sighs> Apparently. And it's about Raelians? It might be Rael. Rael. Oh. You remember Lord Rael? Yeah. I don't know if this is his thing or not. No way. I, it might be. I don't know. I should have researched it. Before. Wow. <laughs> The goal for the Raelian movement was the same as before. Humanity needed to be informed about the Elohim and to prepare to welcome their space fathers. They were also informed when the Elohim arrived, they would bring with them all of the prophets who had ever existed in every single religion. The all-star team of prophets mm, coming down. How powerful yeah. would that be? That's that all of them coming down. Oh, my love. <laughs> There's only like five million of them. Yeah. Eventually, the alien would allow Claude to join them on a trip to their home planet. He described their planet as being very beautiful and similar to Earth. He attended a lavish banquet where he saw a white, yellow, and black man who spoke a language <laughs> he could not understand, but claimed it was very similar to Hebrew. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to be imagining him to look like. <laughs> At this banquet... He looks like a Pittsburgh Steeler. Okay. Hell Perfect. Yeah. Hell Just yeah. imagine Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> At this banquet, the alien he had met on the volcano approached Claude and told him who he truly was. Oh, shit. He claimed he was Yahweh, Whoa. the God of the Old Testament. <laughs> he told Claude that whether or not he could complete his mission... He had earned the right to eternal life. Hell yes. Yahweh went on to explain that the people surrounding the dinner table were actually biological robots. That's just humans, right? <laughs> well, like, not real humans. Okay. But they're like, I don't know. I don't know so, what the fuck they are. Would that kind of be like an android? Yeah, I'd say that's like a, yeah android or cyborg, maybe. So they're going to malfunction and force close everything. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like Terry Crews. Yes. <laughs> You mean Terry, Terry Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Well, I'm not trusting Terry Crews either. <laughs> <laughs> the robots are incapable of acting independently outside of their programming. Also at the table were extra special guests. Moses, oh. Elijah, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, oh, shit. Muhammad, Pretty and Buddha. <laughs> Can you imagine having dinner with these guys, Adam? That's like the heads of state, man. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Is he, a, is he in, like, the religious UN right now? <laughs> I don't know. He just said it was him and all these guys, apparently. Is he on PCP? <laughs> he I don't know what's is. going on here. I don't know. PCP seems a little low class for France. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they only have designer drugs there. <laughs> After dinner, they gave Claude a tour of the factory where they made the robots. After the tour, Claude told Yahweh he was tired and could use some rest. Hmm. Can yeah. Yahweh just, like, wish that away? Wish Apparently, tiredness. if you have eternal life, you're still tired. Mm. I don't know. <clears throat> Yahweh then assigned him a very attractive male robot to give him anything he could desire. The robot then said, Would you like to see your room? <laughs> the robot then handed him a belt he could use for traveling. <laughs> 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 And in an instant, he found himself transported to the house he would be staying in. 
that he later claimed looked like a giant scallop shell. Mm, fun. <laughs> this is like a SpongeBob. Fun beach themed resort. <laughs> don't all humans live in giant scallop shells? I, don't I mean, know. hey man, on a philosophical level, why not? <laughs> The inside was extremely huge with a sunken bed covered in numerous furs. Mm. He also had access to a large sunken bathtub mm. surrounded by delightful forms of vegetation. Hell yeah, give me that carrot. <laughs> the robot then asked Claude, Would you like some female companions? <laughs> come, you shall have your choice. Oh, I'm gonna come. <laughs> Claude then put the belt back on and was transported <laughs> to the factory where the robots were made. He sat down in an armchair and put the special <laughs> helmet on. Oh my god. Like, I think uh, we missed some Mormon prophets here with the magic clothing. Jesus. <laughs> when he put the helmet on, he noticed a cube in front of him. And inside the cube, he noticed a magnificent young brunette. Mm. The robot asked if he would like to modify her appearance in any, in any way. Claude said no. Then another woman appeared, a voluptuous blonde. He declined any modifications. Then a very attractive redhead appeared in the cube. He declined any modifications. Then a beautiful black woman, a slim Chinese woman, and a, <laughs> and a voluptuous Asian woman. God. He declined any modifications once again. Then all of a sudden, the machine fired on and started working. Oh, he he's getting all of these ones <laughs> uh-huh. with factory parts. Yep. He didn't want anything. Top of the line OEM parts only. Oh <laughs> yes, Mopar girls. <laughs> Claude then put the belt back on and was transported back to the house. <laughs> and to his surprise, all six of the girls he saw in the cube were waiting for him. Yee. Claude said he was given the most unforgettable bath with six of them of these extremely sexy ladies. The robot attendant, the attendant asked if Claude would like some music. Claude said yes. Hell yes, I would. <laughs> a robot. What if, he, what if he just turned on a Druid album right there? Oh. <laughs> Soon after his bath and a bit of dancing with the ladies, they all retreated to his bedroom. Claude would make love to all six of the sexy female robots, and Claude later said it was the most entertaining night of his <laughs> life. <laughs> the following morning, Yahweh returned Claude to Earth to continue his work, and so the Raelian movement continues to this day. I'm proud. I love Claude. Oh, yeah. he's a character. I'm ready to be not? a Raelian. I would follow Claude into battle. If you could have six robots. He's the modern-day Joan of Arc, I <laughs> he think. Is. He's a brilliant man who's probably very sad and lonely. I love grew him. up in France. I love you, Claude. <laughs> Our final story is of Peter Corey, an abduction case from Australia. Say has, it right. Australia. Australia has resulted in what may be the world's first DNA test of abduction-related biological material. Hell oh, yeah. Cody put some air horns in here. <laughs> The intriguing results raise many questions about the physical nature of abduction and also illustrate the need for more intensive scientific research of this worldwide mystery. Peter Corey, the subject of this case, was born in Lebanon in 1964 and moved to Australia in 1973. There he met his future wife, Vivian, at school in 1981. Peter and Vivian were married in 1990 and now have two children. They live in Sydney. Peter works in building trades and owns a business in cement rendering. Mm. Oh, he's a finisher. He's a finisher. 
Peter and Vivian had their first UFO experience in February of 1988, a simple sighting of unusual moving lights. But in July of that year, Peter had a deeply disturbing, consciously remembered contact experience that he says changed his life. While lying in his bed, he felt something grab his ankles and force him above his head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's giving him the full scorpion. He suddenly felt numb and paralyzed, but (laughs) remained conscious. Then noticed three or four small hooded figures alongside his bed. He experienced telepathic communication with one or more of these beings. He was told to relax and to not be afraid. It would be like last time. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Just a tip, baby. He then saw that they were about to insert a long needle into the side of his head. That's not okay. Whereupon, he blacked out. That's what I would do. (laughs) He jolted awake sometime later, leapt out of bed, and ran into the living room where he found his father and brother apparently dozing. Both he and his brother felt that only ten minutes had passed since they had last been awake, but they soon realized an over an hour had passed. They were drugged by the aliens. <laughs> mm. Aliens are very, like, date rapey. Very date rapey. That's yeah. true. Yeah. They grab his ankles and scare <laughs> him into like, passing out. It'll be like next time, Peter. <laughs> why does he turn him into a circle? Or why <laughs> do they do that? It's not nice. I don't know. The next morning... Peter and Vivian noticed that there was an obvious puncture mark on the side of his head with traces of dried blood. At this time, Peter had never heard of alien abduction. Okay. In 1988. There's been a bunch of movies. (laughs) He'd never heard of it. Fucking books, even. I don't know what those aliens even are. Oh, wait, he's Lebanon. Wait, is he in Australia? He's in Australia, yeah. Nah, fuck you, dude. (laughs) His memories were vivid and alarming, but he could find neither answers nor comfort from friends or acquaintances. In July of 1992, Peter had the experience that became the focus of this case study. Because the experience had disturbing sexual aspects, Peter was very reluctant to talk about it. Well, that's why we want to hear about it. (laughs) We want the details, Pete. Come on, Petey. Peter told that his encounter on July 23rd 1992 began at 7 p.m. in the morning while he was in bed. He had recently been injured at work and was taking pain medication. (laughs) Early that morning, he had driven his wife to work. Oh, on pain meds. (laughs) And then returned home and went back to bed for a short while. Suddenly, he bolted wide awake and sat up. There were two humanoid females sitting on the bed, both entirely naked. Woo! These two women looked human in in nearly every way. They had very well-proportioned adult bodies. Uh One looked somewhat Asian with Uh straight, dark shoulder-length hair Mm. and dark eyes. The other looked perhaps Scandinavian with light-colored, maybe bluish eyes and long blonde hair that fell halfway down her back. Her hair was especially especially notable to Peter. I had never seen a hairstyle like that. It was curled something like Farrah Fawcett, but to an extreme. It just looked really exotic in a way. You know what? If he knows who Farrah Fawcett is, he knows what a fucking (laughs) alien abduction is. E.T.'s way out by this point. But Peter felt that these women were not exactly human. Their faces were somewhat odd. Not unattractive, 
but too chiseled, very high cheekbones, and the eyes that were two or three times larger than normal. <laughs> very judgmental, Peter. Yeah. Peter took special notice of the blonde. He really oh, likes yeah. the fucking blonde. Yeah. yeah. Gentlemen's prefer blondes, right? Her face was too long, he felt. I have never seen a human looking like that. <laughs> the blonde, who was sitting in a kneeling position on the bed, seemed to be in charge. Ready to suck some dick. <laughs> Peter thought she was communicating telepathically with the dark-haired woman who was sitting with her legs partially folded under her. There was something stiff, almost blank, in the expressions of the women, Peter thought. Though stunned by the sudden appearance of the women, Peter had only a few moments to consider how they could have possibly arrived in his bedroom before the blonde reached out with both her hands and cupped the back of his head, drawing his face towards her chest. He resisted. She pulled harder. He kept pulling back. She was pretty strong. She pulled me over and my mouth was basically on a nipple. <laughs> and I bit. <laughs> I like a good titty in my mouth. Peter said he doesn't know why he bit the woman, but even though he felt a small piece of her nipple come away in his oh. teeth, she did not cry out, but... <laughs> the expression on her face was like, this isn't the way. In a way, it was shock or confusion. She looked at the Asian one and looked at me like, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. You've done this wrong. You don't bite someone's nipple so hard and piece of it comes off, Peter. You're the human, Peter. You, you're married and have kids. You should know how this works. You are the human here. Involuntarily... Peter swallowed the small fragment in his mouth, <laughs> what the fuck? and it caught in his throat. Oh, no. He went into a coughing fit. Suddenly, the two women simply disappeared. They're like, oh, fuck this idiot. <laughs> he bit my fucking nipple off. Once he realized the women were gone, he tried to clear his throat by drinking water. It didn't work. Then he had an urge to go to the bathroom. He realized that his penis felt very painful. Oh, what Sta the fuck? Standing in the bathroom... He looked at the head of his penis and found two thin blonde strands of hair wrapped tightly around it. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> Apparently there's two pieces of uh, hair around his pee pee. Uh -huh. Was he using his dick as like a curling iron on her and he doesn't <laughs> no, remember? I don't I'll get know. you those fair faucet curls, honey. He's just like, there's two pieces of hair around his pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> he struggled to unravel the pieces of hair as the pain became an intense burning sensation. <laughs> Finally, he managed to remove the two pieces of hair and immediately put it in a small sealable plastic bag. Good. Thank goodness. <laughs> the reason I did that was because I knew there was no way, no way at all that a hair that size and wrapped around the way it was should have been there. <laughs> Thinking of these women, the th women, the thing in my throat, the hair... Something bizarre just happened. <laughs> no shit, Peter. <laughs> Peter decided to keep the hair samples in case it would ever be useful later on. Man, he just banged a hot blonde and then well, wanted he, to brag about it. Probably. But not get in trouble by his wife. I, I yeah, they were right. aliens. The thing in Peter's throat stayed there for three days. He coughed constantly. He tried clearing his throat with water, bread, anything he could think of, but nothing helped. On the third day, the feeling in his throat just went away. Ooh, dissolvable nipple. <laughs> he did not want to tell his wife how his coughing fit had come about, but two weeks later, he decided to tell her. 
I was shocked she accepted it better than I did. <laughs> I am too, Peter. <laughs> Jesus, she bought that? Oh, <laughs> the pieces of hair carefully sto- stored away since the encounter became the subject of the first openly reported scientific DNA test on a possible abduction-related sample. The blonde hairs were extremely thin and almost clear in color. It was determined that the hair was not chemically treated because if it had been, little or no mitochondrial DNA could have been recovered. Which is, if we're to believe that though, if a lady throughout her entire life had never had her hair dyed or colored of of any sort, you know, that would be very weird. But like you said, I think Peter might be just having an elaborate story because he had an affair. Yes, that's yeah. honestly that's the way to be. <laughs> Hopefully, there's not like a blonde lady walking around with half her nipple bitten off, because <laughs> that's even harder to explain away. I hope they search the hospitals and, and like see and seeing if they could find like, did anybody come on, come in with like a half a nipple yeah. nipple missing? <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's our three stories today, fellas. That's some I romance. Like it. That's some spicy romance. I can tell Adam really liked Petey. Well, yeah, Peter's good. That's a good story. I love that Lebanese man. I love him. Well, Cody, you killed it. You did. You did a good job. I always love these sexual encounters with aliens. I have a hunch that's going to be a recurring theme throughout the life of our cast. It's at least, uh, well, I mean, shit. People loved it, so I was like, why not do it again? Mm -hmm. Do you think it'd be too edgy to call this? Sexual Encounters with Extraterrestrials, the second coming? I think so. <laughs> I think we might get in trouble for that, maybe. You can't put C-U-M-M-I-N-G? I think that violates iTunes' vulgarity <laughs> policy. <laughs> Fucking iTunes. You're yeah. probably right. Fuck it. You could do like C-star. <laughs> C-asterisk-asterisk-M-I-N-G. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. I mean, you could do all that if you want. <laughs> if you want to do that. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us... And tell us what we should censor in our episode titles. You can do so at bubblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bubblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at bubblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram at bubblebuttpodcast. We all have personal Instagrams. Mine is at bumbleadam. Cody's is at Cody, Z-E-B-U-B. And Jordan's is at j.j.fox. Oh. Now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least if you ask Cody, the iTunes reviews. Hell yeah, we, we've we been on a roll, actually. So we've gotten three new writtens, actually, which is... Uh, Shut up. Yes, a fucking amazing. Hold the front door. <laughs> Shut the front. Was that was it? Shut the front door? Yeah, shut yeah. the front door. All right, so our first one is titled, I stole my brother's iPhone to leave this. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, sir. That's what ma'am, I'm talking ma'am, about. Ma'am, actually. <laughs> By SR Ward 15. The only podcast out there that could even make molasses interesting. Oh. I look forward to new episodes every week. Yes. Y'all are the only reason I get through my third shift job. Ah, that's a disgusting. tough one. For a good quality podcast without sexist douches, call Cody, Adam, and Jordan for a good time. Thanks for all the laughs, the cringe moments, and making me completely nauseous with your last episode. <laughs> that was all you, Adam. Keep it creepy, boys. Mandy slash Miss Dot Baby Dot under underscore doll ninety three on Instagram. Let's oh, give her a follow. yeah, Mandy Beast. She, thank you very much. Definitely, and Here, thank you for your brother for having an iPhone. <laughs> 
Here's your review, you bumbles, at RJ underscore two fit. Uh, he's on Instagram. Uh, he's spoken to me a few times. I found this podcast about a month or so ago. I'm sorry it's taken this long to leave a review, but I've been binging all of the episodes. You get me through my 3M no need for a brain job. I have you guys in one year talking about the darkest stuff as I put on a, <laughs> put a smile on my face and interact with customers slash coworkers. That's awesome. I do that actually too. Yep, definitely. You boys do a great job and I appreciate the research as well as the humor. And I appreciate Cody being active on social media. Looking forward to some Jordan Edgelord merch, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Fucking roasted you in there, Jordan. Damn, dude. <laughs> Fuck. Thank you. That's a beautiful review. Tungster. Tungster. Okay. We'll definitely satisfy your hunger for true crime and simultaneously make you laugh. So thank you. Short and sweet. Damn right. Yeah, That's all we need. Oh. Fuck yeah. You Man, did exactly what we're, we needed. We're, we're at 91. We're getting so close to that first milestone we went ahead of 100 then 200 then a million so that's right thank you thank you very much those are amazing keep them coming steal your brother or sister or dad or mom's phone steal grandma's phone do whatever you have to do anybody on the street (laughs) use a knife if you have to Mm -hmm. they'll give it up tell them you have a really cool feature on itunes that's secret you got to show them and then leave us a quick review and run off really fast yeah perfect i would do (laughs) that i fucking love it that's fantastic great episode great reviews great everything I'm I'm very happy with all of it. Hmm. So I think that's gonna do it for me, Adam. I think that's gonna do it for Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. And I think that's gonna do it for Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. And everybody out there, have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. <sighs> very creative this week, Jordan. Dude.